empower more of you in my life. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want more of Jesus in our lives? More more miracles that we see happen in our lives together. When, when, when God brings people into our lives that help to strengthen us and encourage us, who, who doesn't want more of that? When, when I'm downtrodden and I don't know what to do and, and the Lord brings a scripture to my mind that helps to get me through, who doesn't want more of that? Turn with me in your copy of God's word. We're not done worshiping, by the way. This is a part of worship as well as we go into and be ministered to by God's word. God speaks to us through his word. He's using me um, as, as fallible, as wretched, as terrible as I am. He uses me as an instrument to, to speak to you. And I pray that, um, that I don't inhibit that in any way. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Here we are starting a new series this morning in the book of Acts. This morning we'll be talking about being a witness. Um, you know how amazing God is? I mean, do you, do you sit and really just think about how, how good our God is and what he's done and what he's orchestrated in our lives? For you to be here today, Somebody had to share the gospel with you. Somebody had to, to come into your life and share the gospel with you so that you would know the name of Jesus. Think about that for a moment. That this plan was in place from the foundations of the world. Everything in your life worked together in such a way that you could be here today. Isn't that amazing? that God put somebody in your life at just the right time, just the right moment, that the ground in, in your heart and your soul would be fertile enough to accept the seed and that it would be cultivated, it would be watered, it'd, and it would grow. It's God who made the increase. That is amazing. Not only that, but it started well before we were even born. You take it back even further. You're here today because the events that took place in our text here this morning. That floors me. What we, what we read here today in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostle, written by, um, you know, the, the, the physician, Luke. We're here today because of what Luke witnessed. I, I don't know about you guys. That, that just floors me. As we start the book of Acts, we see the gospel starts out in Jerusalem, and now today it's arrived all the way to Bolingbrook. I mean, these folks, they, they, they hadn't even thought about a place named Bolingbrook. Can you imagine that? When, when this, this, after Jesus ascends and they start uh, spreading the good news, they had no idea how far and wide this thing would reach. That what they witnessed with their own eyes and participated in would reach us here all the way across the world. You want to know something else? 
as you are challenged by the gospel message and share it with others, there will be people that will come to know the Lord long after you are gone. They might even sit in this very sanctuary that you sit in today, 20, 50 plus years from now, because of you. Because God puts on your heart to share the gospel message with somebody else that does not know the Lord today. That should be encouraging for us as well. Wouldn't that be cool? Acts chapter 1. We'll start here in verse 1. And here God's word reads, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He, predestined, he presented himself alive to them after their, his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard it from me. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come to my fault. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of Samaria to the ends of the earth. And we had said these things. As they looked on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing to the heavens as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, he said, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you again with thanksgiving in our hearts that you have set a stage for us, that you made it possible for us to know you through uh, all of these uh, events that have taken place long before our parents and grandparents and parents, parents, parents even thought of us that you had a plan all along for us to be here today, for us to uh, read the, the eyewitness account that we see in your scripture and to go out and to be a witness and tell other people about what you've done for us in our own lives so that people might know the name of Jesus. Help us to see and understand that today and help us not to sit on our hands, to be complacent, Help us to go and be energized to be, and not just keep this word to ourselves, but go provide hope to this hopeless world that is found in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust is in Jesus name we pray. Amen. So here's what we know about the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts. It's written by a fellow named Luke. He was a Christian physician. 
He was also a traveling companion to the Apostle Paul. Um, you talk about having a lot of jobs. He was also a historian. And he was eyewitness of many accounts that we find here in the book of Acts. What we know um, as the book of Acts uh, actually starts is um, we, we see this is part of Luke's gospel. So uh, we, uh, scholars say that um, Luke wrote his gospel along with this, this as well. So it was all together in a uh, single scroll. And we have, as we chopped it up and put it into what we know as the Bible here, we have separated those things, but they were meant to go together. So just like Luke's gospel, Acts is addressing um, a Theophilus who was likely a patron of, of Luke. Um, he's one that helped to fund the, the, the work that, that Luke was doing. Um, and funny thing, we talk about money and or we, we don't like to talk about money in the church, but even we see here it took money in order to do the ministry. It took money in order to do the things that uh, was needed to be done. And so here we have Theophilus, one of um, the, the people that's supporting this cause. Um, because if you remember, right, uh, they didn't have copy machines and, and computers and all this stuff. And they, they could just go type it out and have it print out, print out millions of copies and send it out throughout the world. So these guys, folks were taking it, um, dictated to them, they're handwriting it and sent it up to other scribes and they're copying it by hand. I don't know if they all sat in a room together like a sweatshop and just started writing everything out and copying each of these, but it had to be done by hand, and that cost money. People had to make a living in order to um, fund this particular thing. So whether you're talking about today a movie or a TV show, a blog, a YouTube video, all this costs money to produce. So each copy would uh, cost up to four days wages in order to support what was needed in order to see the making of the book that we have here today. And I praise God every time I'm able to pick up my Bible that he's done the work in preserving his word. They're going from all these hand copied uh, scrolls that we're able to have. Uh, thank God for the, the printing press that was invented so that we could have the best selling book of all times. Look with me in verse two. It goes in and says, until the day when we had, he had been taken up, he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Luke, he, he opens up by referring to the gospel writings that um, uh, discussing the life of Jesus Christ. And he mentions Jesus's suffering. He mentions his death on the cross and then presenting himself alive to the disciples. It's important to know that the disciples didn't have this, this corporate delusion. Some people, opponents of the gospel would say, well, they were all hallucinating. I, I don't know how this is, is possible, how everybody can have the same hallucination, not only at the same time, but in multiple different times. There's hundreds of people having the same hallucination. But Luke comes and says, no, this, this actually took place. This actually happened. They didn't just see a ghost. Jesus showed them many convincing proofs that he was the, the same flesh and the same blood uh, of man that they spent so much time with. This was the same man that had been crucified and buried. The only difference was that he gained a glorified body. Man, he gave us an example of what's, what's in our future and should we follow him that we also would have a glorified body. 
with none of these, these aches and pains and things that are going on that we have here today. Again, something that we ought to look forward to. During the 40 days that separated the resurrection and the ascension, Jesus continued to teach his disciples and prepare them to lead the early church. Again, the foundations of what we practice here today started back then. Look with me in verse 6. So they had come together and they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria. The disciples wanted to know whether this was the, the final time for Israel to be delivered from the yoke of Rome. But Jesus obviously, like we, we've seen time and time again throughout the Gospels, Jesus had a different plan. It's like, I know what you want, but this is what you need. You, you want this to be a kingdom here, right here and right now, and somebody to release you, and, 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 and you have uh, this justification right now. But what you need is an eternal Savior. You don't need to be just saved from the yoke of Rome. You need to be saved from your sins. This is what you want, but this is what you need. And it was difficult to understand, just much like it is today. We, we pray for a lot of things today, and um, I'm, half the time we don't know what we're praying for. We think we want certain things, but sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says not right now because he knows better than we do. You know, I think back to being a teenager, and I see, um, you know, some teenagers here today and um, have played the stock market or, you know, have, have bought some Bitcoin or whatever, and now they're, they're millionaires or they're, they're YouTube famous. And being, uh, how you make millions of money on YouTube is amazing to me, but there are uh, uh, teenagers, people in their 20s and younger, that are doing this. And I'm thinking, man, if I only had millions of dollars when I was their age, Right? Is that, is that what we would think? But then I start thinking, oh, my goodness, what would I have done with that money? I, I, I don't know. I, wasn't, I know I wasn't ready to have that type of money. I wasn't ready to have the little money I did have. But you lay thousands of dollars on uh, 18-year-old Vaughn. I might not be here today. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> and uh, that's not a good thing. <laughs> I would have gotten off into a whole bunch of stuff I had no business doing. The, the Lord knew that I wasn't ready for that, but that's what I was asking for. I want you to notice three things. The disciples first, the disciples of Jesus, they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit and not Jesus himself. Jesus, he, he had prepared them and would not, uh, and, and would hand them off, so to speak, to the Holy Spirit, who would be the constant presence in, the, in his bodily absence. He was uh, going to have the companion come in through the Holy Spirit to help out. John 14 and 16 says it this way. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. 
for he dwells with you and will be with you. Man, look at the advantage. Have you ever thought about this as we read through the Old Testament? We read about folks like Abraham and Moses, and, and as, as, as powerful as it is for God to use them, they, they didn't have the Holy Spirit and dwelt in them. But we do. But we do. We, we have the Holy Spirit that's helping us and guiding us each and every moment of the day. Now, how much closer can you get? That's amazing to me. So uh, the disciples uh, of Jesus, they would empower, be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's one. The second thing I want you to see is uh, the growth of the church would come through the witness of the disciples. From the very beginning, the church was depicted as a community that will actively witness to their faith in Jesus Christ. This term witness is, is interesting to me. As you're watching the news, if some people, you, people are here watching the news, right? <laughs> or reading the newspaper or what, however you get your news alerts on your phone. You know, there's still this, 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 uh, this idea of a witness. When an event happens, you know, they find somebody that was there so they can tell them what happened. And we see this on the news, especially like make a fire breaks out or something, a robbery takes place, and they find somebody who was on the scene, and they say, well, hey, tell me what you saw. What, what happened on this last night or a few minutes ago? Tell me what you saw and, and what you thought about it. And before, I think it was probably a little more uh, respectable. And now we get just YouTube memes about people that are eyewitnesses account. Hide your, hide your family, hide your kids, hide your, all that stuff. And, and other, uh, ain't nobody got time for that. Some of you probably don't know these memes. But these are some eyewitnesses that were on. They got a, a, a microphone stuck in their face, and they're like, well, <laughs> this is who I am. I'm going to just say it like I see it. And so instead of being informative, they, they have become jokes here recently. But when you look at the witness, the eyewitness account, it adds some authority. We know, we understand what was going on. There were people on the scene that confirmed these things. When somebody is before a jury and somebody's being prosecuted, what do we want? We want people that are witnesses to what happened so that they can corroborate or uh, say there was something different that happened, right? Because they were there. We have this from the foundation of everything that, that, that God has created, what Jesus did in, in his life here on this earth. He's preparing all these things of people around them so that they might be witnesses. They might be able to give an account as to who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. This is why we're here today. This is, uh, we, we know we're here because of first of what we read about in our text today, because there were some eye, eyewitnesses that were there on the scene that walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, or had a friend of a friend that, that was cured and, and uh, had some miracles done, and they can go tell those stories, and all those stories led up to you being here today because of their eyewitness account. Be thinking, who's going to be here tomorrow, next week, a month from now, a year from now, because of your eyewitness account, because of what Jesus has done for you. So we see this growth of the church that's coming out through the witness of the disciples. Third thing I want you to see here in this, this section of the text is uh, this result of having these eyewitness accounts. They're, they will be measurable. 
there will be some geographical growth. This begins uh, in Jerusalem, and then it spreads through concentric circles that get wider and wider and wider. They go through the Jewish areas, they go uh, like uh, Judea, then they go to areas uh, of the edges of Judaism or Samaria, and eventually to the ends of the earth, like Bolingbroke. This was meant, so while the disciples didn't know it at the time, this was a multiplication event that would take place over years and years and years until the ends of the earth, which at the time they probably would think, I mean, like I said, they never thought of a bowling brook, but I'm sure this is part of the ends of the earth to them from their vantage point. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, the disciples would go as Jesus' witnesses to proclaim him, to make disciples in Jerusalem. And from there, the gospel would expand to Judea, then to Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. We see the beginning of this here in the book of Acts, and this work continues today. As long as you don't sit on your hands. As long as you don't uh, keep quiet and will say, well, I, I can't tell people about Jesus. Remember, Jesus says that, um, that we would receive what? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. That's true of each and every one of us here today. The bonus, the benefit of having the Holy Spirit indwelled in us is, is that he's continually helping us. Well, I don't know what, what to say. What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? That's why you have the Holy Spirit, to give you power so that you'd be courageous enough in order to speak life into somebody that is there. Not to say you'll have all the answers. Sometimes you'll say, I don't know the answer to that. Let me go find out and let's meet together next week. I've had several of these, and I'm not trying to boast, I'm just trying to give you an example of people in my life, um, whether they be just not Christian or they be atheist or agnostic. This is exactly what I, what I did. Just, you know, we would just have conversations. I would be authentically the person God made me to be. And inevitably, you know, church, religion, God would come up in the conversation, oh, you go to church all the time, Why? I get to share with them the reason for the hope that I have within me. And that conversation turned into another conversation, turned into another conversation. I didn't always know what to say. Well, most of the times I didn't. So I got some really hard questions. How do you reconcile this with that? And it says this over here, but then it says this over here. And I don't know. That's a good question. Let me see. And all the while I'm thinking, oh, man, this is, <laughs> this is going lousy. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I just kept going at it. And at, after a while, I'm thinking, well, this is just for me because I'm growing so much because they're challenging me with all these questions and I'm going back and researching and I tell them the answer, but I don't know what they're doing with it. I don't know what's going on in their heart, but I tell you what, man, it's making my faith that much stronger. It's making me understand and know who God is and what he's done for us. 
and how I can stand on this firm foundation. So if it wasn't for them, it was definitely for me because the tremendous growth that I've seen. And for some people, um, some people later did, did come to Christ, praise God, and some people didn't or haven't yet. Uh, it, I was there just laying seeds, or maybe I was watering or, or whatever, but I trust God for the increase. This call to witness isn't limited to any specific group of people because it spreads um, from the apostles to the 120 believers and throughout the pages of the book of Acts. We also can't restrict this to vocational pastors or professional ministers. God has called us each to be ministers of the gospel, to go and share good news. So it's not my sole responsibility. My job is to equip you to go and be courageous and have these conversations, to expose you to what God's word says, and for you to uh, be at home and, and be reading the scripture and be on your knees in prayer so that you can be prepared to have these conversations. It's, it's not my job job, so to speak, is, is all of our jobs to go and, and be witnesses to what God has done. This is for every Christian. Look with me in verse 9. It says, when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, uh, two men stood by them in white robes. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Man, we should, <laughs> we should be excited about that. You know what I mean? We should be jumping up and down and be looking forward to that day. When we come here and we come to worship, we're looking forward to when Jesus will come back. We will say, thank God for what you've done for us. Thank God for sending your son. And I, we love you so much. We, we, we come here to, to raise your name and, and praise and in reverence for what you've done. We've, we've come to worship you because you've been so good. And not only that, because we look forward to what you're going to do, that we get to see you face to face when, when Jesus comes back to take his people. That should, that should energize us, give us some excitement and some longing. Maybe it's just me. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I'm foolish to be so excited but for what it gets. He says through these pages and they just leap out to me. And I just look forward to the, when that day comes. There's so many things going on in this world today. There's so many things that are just so depressing and so sad that I can't help but say, I, I can't believe these things are happening today, but I have something to look forward to. I have something to look forward to when that day comes and Jesus comes to, to take his people with him. That, that there will be no more sadness. There will be no more despair. There will be no more anguish. I can't wait for that day. That fuels me. That fuels me every moment every hour, every day, as bad as things can be. I have something to look forward to. I have something to be excited about. I have hope. I hope you do too. Luke expands on his account of Jesus' ascension. This, this cloud, as he talks about, should make us think back to the Old Testament presence of God. 
in Exodus 13. It talks about the Lord went up before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before his people. As this is happening, I wonder if they thought about, oh man, look at that. Jesus being taken up by a cloud and what that means for us. Here Jesus is received by the Father in fulfillment of what we see in John 7. John 7 and 33 says, Jesus said, I will be with you a little longer and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me where I am. You cannot come. Here's what Warren Wiersbe says about this text in his, um, his commentary. He says, every Christian needs to move out of Luke's gospel into Acts. Knowing about the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ is enough for salvation, but not for the spirit-empowered service. He must identify, we must identify ourselves with him as our ascended Lord and allow him to work through us in the world. The church is simply, is not simply an organization engaged in religious work. Let me read that again. The church is not simply an organization engaged in religious work. It is a divine organism. The body of Christ on earth through which his life and power must operate. He died for the lost world, and we must live to bring that world to Christ. That is our purpose. That is our goal, that we will live to bring this world to Christ, that people might know the name of Christ and have hope because of what he's done, not only for us, but for those who we might encounter. There's a story about a Christian missionary who was also a doctor, and he removed the cataracts of a person that came to see him. The person was blind, and he was a Chinese farmer. Several days after the surgery, the the doctor looks out of his window and sees the formerly blind man, and he's walking, holding an end of a rope. He's walking, holding the end of the rope, and and attached to him in a single-file line holding the rope were uh, tons of other people holding the rope, following him. The single file line, they were behind him. And these blind people knew that the farmer had been blind, but now he could see. The, the Chinese person, he, he was just a farmer. He didn't know uh, what type of operation he had. He didn't know much about anything that was going on. But what, what he knew was he was blind, but now he could see. And so um, he just told people about the doctor that cured him. And wouldn't you know it, all those blind people he told wanted to go see this doctor, the same doctor that had cured this Chinese farmer. The cured man couldn't explain the physiology of the eye or the technique of the operation. All he could do would tell others again, right? I was blind. Then the doctor operated on me. And now I can see. That's all these folks needed to hear. 
They didn't care about the particulars. They, they didn't know or understand all the, the details. They just wanted to go see the doctor. The same is true for us in our Christian lives. You don't need to be trained theologians. You don't need to know the difference between presuppositional or classical or evidential apologetics. You don't need to understand the intricacies of God's mysteries. You don't need to have a, a, be a perfect example of a flawless Christian life. You don't have to be perfect. But what you can do, what you can do is tell everyone what Christ has done for you. What you can do is tell people what Christ has done for them. What you can do is go and, and, and tell people um, uh, about the miraculous things that we see through Scripture and how it has uh, affected you day and night. You might not be a preacher or teacher. You might not be like Mother Teresa, but you can be a witness. Can I get a witness? Is there one here today? Someone who is a witness of what Jesus Christ has done for them in their lives. This is the point of the book of Acts. It's written by witnesses and is a faithful telling of the work that God has done in the first days of the church. And again, this is very work that is still being done here today, but you're called to be a witness as well. I don't think I heard everybody speak up about being a witness, but that's what you're called to be. That's what you're called to do if you claim to follow Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Father, thank you for empowering us with the Holy Spirit so that we can be a witness. Thank you for helping us to see that we're not going to do this on our own strength that we don't have to study all the, the theological books out there in order to go and, and to be a witness for you and share the, this good news, this, this news of hope to those who need to hear it. Help us to know that we have empow been empowered to go and have these conversations, to go and love our neighbor. And we're not just talking about strangers. There are people that you have put into our lives so that we can be a witness to them and tell them about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Help us to lean on that power, to entrust the Holy Spirit to give us exactly what we need, to tell the person that you've placed in front of us exactly what they need to hear so that they might know you. And then they might go tell somebody else. And then they might go tell somebody else. And they might go tell somebody else so that we can reach the ends of the world with this good news. And Father, help us to look forward to the day where you will come back the same way that you ascended. That would you come back and to, to gather your people that we will be able to be with you for forever and eternity. Help us to look forward to that. Help us to live every moment that we have in our lives looking forward to that very event that we get you for forever and eternity so that we might live a life that is bold and courageous because of who you are and what you've done. Father, thank you so much. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.